Brian, before we get started, we've got to look after our sponsors, Grimley's. So yep. we are proudly brought to you by Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies. Anything you want that is linked to the construction industry, from a broom to a bolt to a tool, they have it. And the thing is, you'll get it that day. Beautiful. All right, cracking in here. Hello all and welcome back to another episode of The Life of Brian. Brian, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. That's good. What's What's been happening in your world? Any any updates? Uh, I know just we're... about to go in the transition from uh, home life, that is working at home, picking up sticks and rocks as everybody knows, that's all I do in my life, and doing odd jobs, to back into the footy, the footy thinking capsule. Like, I know I don't, you know, we've still got two or three weeks to go before the season proper starts, but... You start to get back. You need to start to get back into that group. I'll tell you what; it must be nice. I can see the stress levels rising within you now that you've had, you know, six months off off work. That you've actually got to get back into it now, and you know that's that's the reality of the situation. Listen, for you. I it's work. Back what to work. people don't know is I work seven days a week when I'm on, and I deserve to have a few months off. Yes, and as we prepare for the free season, or as you do, I won't be. Um, mm-hmm. what, what does that look like for you from a from a production perspective? Are you going to do club visits and watching training? What are you doing? Yep. So last week we had uh, what would you call it an in service day, a talent day, where every person involved in Channel 7's production, both from a production point of view and from a talent point of view, um, we all gathered in Melbourne, in South Melbourne, in the studios in South Melbourne. Uh, we spent a day together, you know, photos of certain groups, you know, doing headshots, certain nights, yep. headshots, uh, all of that sort of thing, briefings for each team. Um, teams, do you mean like the Friday night team, commentary the Saturday teams. team? Yep. 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 How are we going to get better? You know, what can we do? Um, update of information from our bosses. Here's what we expect of you. Um, here's how it performed last year. Here's what what people liked and here's what they didn't like so we yep. get to hear all of that and, and a couple of insights yep. off the top of your head uh, well, if well, the, you can share well you know um people just love the passion P- people love the passion in commentators to get involved in the game they don't so much love the discussions that are perhaps within the game it's just about the game but as we know and particularly me you know that if a game's if a game's close and tight and fun then you don't have to talk about anything else but if it's a 75-point blowout and it's only half time, then you have to come up with things to talk about. That's the catch-22. But they're just little things. So other things that we did on the day, um, got a briefing from our salespeople about who's sponsoring us so we're aware of, of our sponsors. Not that we have much to do with them, but we obviously need to know. Um, uh, who's you know the teams were announced the new talent was announced that was exciting um, you know it's, it's it's known that you know um, Joel Selwood is going to be doing a bit of Thursday night footy for instance the Thursday night team has it's changed quite a lot from what it was in previous years um, Hamish has taken um, a year off we'll talk about that further in a moment but Alistair Nicholson who's a great commentator is going to be doing a lot of Thursdays I'll be doing a lot of Thursdays JB will be doing a few Thursdays as well and and with that combination in the special comments chair, we'll have Joel Selden, Daisy Thomas, Aaron Phillips. Daisy. Is, yep, Daisy Thomas right. is going to come along, which will be fantastic. He is he is a superstar in the making, Daisy Thomas. I think he's got the um, he's almost got the perfect blend of humour. I agree. And footy nous. I really like footy intelligence, I really like Daisy, because he can he can come off as professional, but he's also can be the larrikin and um, yeah, create a bit of humour. And his footy IQ is high. His footy IQ is really high. 
I think sitting next to Joel Selwood, that team will seem like it's taking you right to the cutting edge of football, you know, because they are both right up with – all of the commentary team is right up with what's going on. But those two in particular um, are going to bring something new. And Aaron Phillips, who is one of our – one of few of our rare female professional athletes that are in our game. And we are absolutely rapt to have Erin on board. Um, joining uh, Abby and, and Daisy Pierce, who's is still with us despite being in Perth as well. So to have Erin step up and do a bit more on Thursday nights, I'm looking forward to that. This is a girl, this is a girl that knows her footy back to front. This is a girl that was brought up in a football family. I mean, Greg Phillips, who I played with at Collingwood, was just a Port, a Port Adelaide you know, Nuffy, he, he grew up loving the club. He grew up and played in premiership after premiership. Then he went and played for the other black and white team called Collingwood. And the the football pedigree that Erin has is absolutely outstanding. And I'm looking forward to sharing her passion is footy and her knowledge is second to none when it comes to top line footy. So that's sort of the Thursday night team. We mentioned Hamish. There before. Yep. So what is the story with Hamish? I know, but just for someone who might have missed it, what is Hamish doing this year if he's not calling football? So look, my understanding, and I've spoken to him briefly, but is that he's gone to France. He's uh, there are there are a number of reasons that made it happen. I think uh, number one, uh, a bit of a spell for him. Number two, his kids were at an age where schooling is going to become really important soon. So if they didn't go away on this holiday then they would never be able to do it because, you you know, it's too hard to pull the kids out once they get deep into primary school and secondary school. Would you ever have the balls to do something like no, that with Tanya? I would never have the balls. she's desperate to go there, I'm sure. And one of the other reasons, my understanding... it's a big sacrifice. Yeah, it is. One of, my other, one of the other reasons I think he went was, uh, from my understanding, is they're renovating the entire house. So they effectively didn't have a house to live in. I know they could have gone and rented. In, in Melbourne. In Melbourne. Yeah. So they thought that that was a good opportunity to, to get that done and, and, and go and look at something different. And, you know, it's a bloody gutsy move because there are no guarantees when he gets back that he just jumps into the same groove that he was in because... Because, you know, um, someone else could do a really good job. But we all know that Hamish is a professional. We're going to see him quite a lot still on seven. He'll be there for the opening of the season. Uh, he'll be there for the Brownlow and the finals. So he'll come back and do those from right. France. So we still we still see quite a bit of Hamish, thank goodness. Do you know any French? Uh, I, uh, um, What's hello? Give me hello. Uh, you can do it. Francois. What's Francois? What's that? I think that's just the name France. Oh, France. Um, oh, I've got no idea. I've got no French. I didn't do Bonjour. French. Bonjour. Bonjour, yeah. yeah. So oui. um, who else in the team? So the Friday night team stays pretty well as is. JB, myself, Richo, Hodgie, Abby Holmes. Um, that pretty well stays as it is. And what's happened with the fixture for Channel 7 at the start of the year is that because there are about, I think there are about 12 or 13 Thursday night games in a row, it means that Channel 7, who normally do the Sunday 3.20 slot, won't be doing any of those Sundays. Effectively, they've traded the Sundays to be allowed to do the Thursdays. Right. And then during the year, about around 15 or 16, they'll go back to doing a few Sundays when there's no Thursday footy. Um, but whenever there's Thursday footy, it means that 7 don't do the Sunday game. And what's the radio situation for you? 
Radio for me is Triple M Football, uh, going into about, I don't know, about a 23rd, 4th year. Um, and I'm Saturday, so whatever's happening on the uh, Saturday day game. And yep. if there's no day game in Melbourne, it'll be the um, the, the twilight yep. game normally um, on a Saturday evening. So great day uh, at uh, NEP, who are the production agents for Channel 7. Um, it's just one of those days. It's you've got to sort of pinch yourself. You know, you look at the, in the room when, you know, when um, Andrew Dillon and um, uh, our boss of sport, Lewis Martin, are addressing us, and there's 50 people in the room. That you know, you know, the 50 most important people to the coverage are all there. So everyone from uh, cameramen, directors, producers, um, uh, football football staff, office uh, stats to to the commentators and or everyone is there and it's just a it's just a great vibe. Nice. You know, the, I guess the part we all hate are the photos. You go sit there all day and smile and pretend you're enjoying yourself you're with a, the photos. You're not a great fake smiler, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can smile for about five seconds. Continuing on this, the homework that you do, are you researching so my, clubs, yeah, watching so games? So my homework in this last month has been to start to go and watch a little bit of training. So particularly the teams I might come across in the first, say, three to four weeks. So, for instance, I've watched Melbourne train a little bit because we'll, we'll have a bit of a look at them. I've had a little bit of a sneak peek at Geelong. Um, observations from Melbourne or Geelong? Observations from Melbourne is I come away from that with the whole Oliver thing. I'm thinking I'm a bit confused about where they sit and how committed they are and and, you know, Gary Pert has come out and told us how you know, how together they are. I'm unsure of that. I want to see that answered in the first six weeks of the footy. And then I'll make a bit of prediction on Melbourne. But for me right now, it's about watching training, learning a little bit of stuff that I perhaps I didn't know. But more, more importantly than that, familiarising myself with the look of the player, either the new player that I haven't seen or the old player that's had a haircut and looks different. Um, or the, the player that's gone to a new team, new team, different number. Um, some you know younger players trade down to lower numbers and that sort of thing as they go through their career as well. So I'm go- I'm going up to um, up to Sydney to have a look at uh, GWS before they play in their first game against Collingwood. I'll see them train as well. So I'm looking forward to that particularly. Yep. Um, I'll see a little bit of the Tigers and probably the Bulldogs and um, a couple of others around town as well. You really are dedicated to your craft. So, yeah, I'm not, it's not like I'm sitting there and taking note after note. I'm just going as a familiarity um, thing in my own mind about what these guys look like again. Yeah, right. Yep. As we approach the season, round zero is obviously the new thing or opening round. I'm not sure what it's called, but we've discussed mm. this before on the podcast. Yeah. You're a little bit confused I'm- as to the, the timeline. I'm bedazzled by it. I don't know what the hell's going on because, correct me if I'm wrong, but we got told by those making the decision at HQ that the reason we were doing this round zero was that the NRL were completely out of town and so that we were going to go to Sydney and while the ships... They they were off in Vegas and we were going to steal the show. While the ships were off in Vegas, we were going to come in and steal the thunder when we didn't have any competing media. In New South Wales and Queensland. Yes. Yeah. So I've taken a closer look at this and I've gone, well, hang on. Those four teams, I think there are, yeah, four teams that are in Vegas, they play their game on the 3rd of March in Vegas, right? They, they play two, uh, a double header, I think it is. It might even be two double headers on the same day. I can't remember. But it's something of that ilk. There might be uh, 
four teams here, two double headers they play on the third of March. They are back. They are actually back in New South Wales and Queensland before the AFL play round zero. And on round zero weekend, the NRL are playing six games. Now, while they might not all be in New South Wales, the competition is away and buzzing. And my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, people out there, but my understanding was we were all sold on this concept because the ships were anchored over in the States. And that is the sole reason why we're going to do this. And I am now extremely confused that those NRL teams playing in Vegas will actually be back in their home port when we kick off our season. It doesn't, I just don't get it. It doesn't add up. Doesn't add up. I don't know. Someone, either the NRL have changed their fixture. Something's happened that's not right because we have not, we won't own the media as we were told we had a chance to own. So it's potentially about that squeezing weekend. an extra game in well, yeah. new eyes, maybe. Yeah, well, it's uh, interesting that we're all doing an extra weekend of football for uh, <clears throat> no uh, <laughs> recompense. Uh, there's no... Uh, uh, well, you're my manager. Uh, have, you, have you spoken to anyone about the extra weekend? Well, you, yeah, you, you, get your, you get your due. But um, the footy fans froth it, I think. An extra week of footy means oh, joy for all. It's such a long season, Harrison. I all think right. the last thing I we... I do agree with that. It's a long season. The last thing we needed was an an extra week added into the footy season. Come yeah. on. Um, and speaking of salaries, player salaries, there was an article last week in, in the paper around yep. the million-dollar players. I can't remember the amount, but there's there's quite a few, and that was making a big statement about that. What, talk uh, me through... What struck me was, I looked, it went right back to 1990, and that was my last year. So I had a fair idea of what people in my era were being paid. And in 1990, there were eight people on 100,000-plus, 100,000-plus, Think about that. There were eight people in the whole competition in 1990 that were earning a hundred thousand plus, probably up to about 150 max. Mm. And I think there are now 18 people earning 1.2 plus in our game. So how much it has changed, and it's just just amazing. Well, I think the average wage now four hundred and forty-one thousand, five hundred thousand, yeah. somewhere, somewhere about there. I noticed most of the players when I looked at the figures were on between one hundred and two hundred, two hundred and three hundred, and three hundred and four hundred. So one hundred to four hundred was where I think about the three percentage. or four hundred players sat in that. Yeah. In that area there, yeah. So when you think about that, what was a house in nineteen? What was a nice house in a good suburb in okay. Melbourne? In, was that a hundred in the eighties? Yeah, in the a late nineties. In say Hawthorne, in a eastern suburbs, a single fronted terrace house, old style that perhaps needed renovating, you could buy for hundred thousand. Well, you need a million and a half, two million for that now, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. You need so it's, it's you actually, need one point five for that. If now. you're comparing it to, it's not far off. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It's not far off. So, um, good on them. Um, looks like the salaries are going to go up over the next uh, couple of years as well because of the. Um, you'd be more on the top CBA. of this than them. The CBA is going to go to about thirty percent, is it, of revenue? I think it's going mm. from about twenty eight to thirty. Yeah, I'm not or, totally sure to be honest. So anyway, it's going up two or three percent. So I know you, the females will be increasing year on year. Yeah, you're um, going to see quite a jump. You know the um, NRL players. We only get. We're going to get 31, 32% of the total revenue, the players. Yeah. In the NRL, they get 40% yeah. of revenue. Right. But 
you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. They, you know, they have other choices. They can go and play with the ARU, the Rugby Union, or they can go and play in England or France. So there's other global opportunities. There's not global opportunities for Australian rules footballers. Um, and I think a lot of while the players at the NRL are taking 40% of earnings, you look at our game, and I'm very happy that a good proportion of our money that is earned through revenue is going back into other competitions. We have, what is it, AFL Victoria called now? Um, you know, we're supporting the Waffle, the Sandfall, um, Northern Territory Footy League, mm. uh, New South Wales, Queensland. And I'm I'm happy to see the good portion of our revenue. And I think we spend, that's why we've become the number one game in Australia I think because we're spending more money on the grassroots of Australia football right around Australia, and I'm happy to see a good portion of that um, going into that area. Ah, uh, yes, half time in this episode of the Life of Brian. Now, I'd like to give this message. I'd like the opportunity to talk about our great friends at Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies in Melbourne. If you're on a construction site and need product urgently, then you can count on Grimley's Direct, getting your orders to you on time every time at speed with our fleet of Grimley's vans and trucks direct from us to you. It's that simple. Grimley's has been in the game for more than 30 years, earning a reputation built on grit, determination, and a focus on delivering the best sourced fasteners and construction supplies with a whatever-it-takes type attitude. Uh, whether it's a large commercial job, a small domestic little project, hardworking tradies need the right products at the right time. Grimley goes above and beyond to deliver on the details. Grimley's always aims for the best solutions to your products. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery that you can count on. While we're talking about grassroots and local footy and just backing off the AFL for a little bit, local football starts soon as well, yep. probably a little bit later, March, April. I um, I still play. You're who for? I play for the Charlton Football Club. Where, with, where the hell is Charlton? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's not close to Melbourne, let me tell you. It's about halfway to Mildura. So Why? Three, three Why ways you go up, up there? You, you can oh, play in Melbourne. It, it's a great community. And oh, bullshit. Go up there You're with, not going with, up there because of the community? I go up there with my younger brother, Jesse, Pipsqueak, yep. and um, about six others from Melbourne um, who are all really close mates. And, and we go so up there. So you stay at the local pub up there? We go up there Friday afterwards. They give you a room each, and you yep. what do you get on it or not? No, not on Friday night. Right. We stay on Saturday night as well yeah. and get on it. But um, so the publicans like a sponsor of the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go, we go in, we roll in. Greg at the East Charlton Hotel. We roll in on a Friday night. We get there at about seven thirty, right in time. They've got so this is what's great. They've even got a Red Bull room set up there. We, or we, something. We've set up the Red Bull athletes room, which is just like <laughs> the common room, um, the shared bathrooms and stuff. It's 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 just modest accommodation. Yeah. But we go in there and the footy's on Friday night. They do the raffle, the meat raffle and stuff, and it's just a great great environment. This is what I love about country pubs, and you don't see this in Melbourne. Is they've got the Bay Marie. So you order your meal, you pay your twenty odd dollars for your Palmer, but then you've got unlimited like scraps. There's like a fried rice, um, the uh, the roast potatoes with yeah. the cheese, um, the cauliflower, See, and, this is and the, the noodles, one... and it's just like all you can eat, and it's not good on a Friday night before football because it really messes with your uh, stomach. Oh, yeah. So if you were to say to me, what is the one thing that you didn't get out of football that you'd hoped you got? The one thing I really, really wanted to do, I came from a town in Western Australia called Mandra, is my dream was to always go back and either play at Mandra or coach Mandra. Mm. I would love to have gone back to that community football. And because I ended up living over here, married a Victorian, 
So, okay, next best thing is go and do that at one of these local suburban clubs or country clubs that you're talking about here. I got as far as Paran in the VFA. I would love to have gone to a club like Charlton or another country or metropolitan club and got right back to that grassroots level. I love that. I went to the – I don't see you guys play often, but I did go and see you play one game at Charlton last year and to watch how the whole community just stopped on a Saturday afternoon – and went to the footy, yeah. and then and the netball and the hockey, yeah, they and netball hockey, and the hockey, was, all yeah. playing, and then all having dinner in the. There were two hundred of you having was, dinner in they the room, had two to two hundred and fifty people at, in the rooms on a Saturday. People had the, uh, you know, then at ten o'clock, everyone just transferred to the pub. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was so, awesome. Great vibe. Good luck to all those country and suburban footballers yeah. that are starting in what late March they'll start. But to continue on what I was actually bringing up, oh. I was I was going to bring up football a- boots. I've been shopping for uh-huh. football boots, so I need a new set of football boots. What do you think? A pair of foot like so. I'm talking. There's different levels to the football boots, and obviously different brands. But generally, the top end Look, of a football boot you can get each brand. What do you think it costs? I haven't paid for a pair of footy boots for 40 years. I know you haven't. You've never paid for a pair of footy boots, probably. And I'm very fortunate that that has been the case for me. But if I were to guess what a pair of you know medium to good quality footy boots would be worth now, I would say 225, 250. That. Would be a bare minimum. That's probably oh. the the best pair on sale. What? That's a kid's pair. Would Almost. A, what, what, what would a kid pay for a pair of footy boots? Well, the kid sizes are different, and they do lower the prices given the um, access to funds for the yeah. kids. And obviously, you got parents paying for multiple kids. But I'm looking around at boots, and the good boots are around three to three hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. That's a ridiculous amount of money for a very fine bit of and are they, material. Are all labels pretty well about the same? So you, there's no getting out of it? There's no one that's cheaper? There's a few that are cheaper. There are a few that are bloody expensive and they go right up the top end. Like I'm pretty sure it's um, Mizuno, which is a Japanese brand. They've just gone all out. Like Their materials are incredible. They, they just do leather boots and they're right at the top end. They're about $500. Um, which I don't know who can afford that, um, being a local footballer. You but know, yeah, the, you I'm know, shopping around for a Nike boot at the moment, and was, they're three hundred and fifty dollars. I was looking at yours and it? Jesse's boots the other day. They're very lightweight. They're almost like a spike. They are. Well, I want to tell you a story. This is true. In my latter years at Collingwood, Dennis Banks and myself, we were both Puma uh, Puma sponsored people, and I remember we went to Puma. This what, was what boots did you wear for the Nuffies? What what type? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember what Kings? they uh, probably. I can't yeah. remember what what particular model they were. Uh, had quite a few pairs of boots, but Banksy and I got together and we we both loved really light super duper boots like you wear now, Today. like a pair of spikes. We loved the spikes that we trained in in summer. So we went to Puma and said, "Can we have a pair of spikes? And can you take the spike um, sole off them and glue a football sole?" I'll tell you what I'm envisaging right now. Um, the the movie the M, the Michael Jordan movie <laughs> where they go in and build him the prototype hang on, shoe hang on. of the Air Jordan. Hang on, hang on. The Air BT. Hang on. So we Banksy and I, you can bloody ring Banksy about this and I ask him. You. We had a pair of spikes, took the sole off them completely, and put a football sole on them. Sure, they broke right away. And no, they didn't. And we wore them in games, and we loved them. I would say now, looking at what you're wearing now, when I was grabbed some of your boots out of the cupboard the other day and I looked at them, I thought, geez, they're light. There's nothing to them. They're so light and feathery. They're exactly what we were wearing then. I think 
we probably have a right on the patent, uh, given that Banksy I've and I... I've officially heard it all. We, no, we invented... Brian Taylor invented, invented the lightweight Australian ring, rules football boot. You ring Banksy, I'm telling you right now. That's what happened. Dennis Banks would punch your ears in as quick as look at you too, by the way. Yeah, he's, he's well, we do like Banksy. Banksy's great. Um, that's, I can't believe that. That's true. That's very true. And you know what else I invent? Not only that, I'm a pretty smart cookie when it comes to engineering and inventing. When I was real young, like about 12, my dad was a very good welder and a very good sort of, uh, he was a truckie, but he was, he's just good at fixing things. We got a push bike and put a monoshock in it. Now, you've got to remember that monoshocks in those days, that means one Harrison, one yeah. shock absorber in the middle under where a petrol tank on a motorbike would go in that position was unheard of. In fact, shock absorbers on bikes were a no-go, unheard of. And on motorbikes, you had two shock absorbers at the back. And in about in about 1980 or early 80s, it went to one monoshock under the tank. We built a push bike, Dad and I welded it all up, that had one monoshock in that position. And you know what? Someone stole it. And, th- and those bikes became famous in the years after. Monoshocks. We built, I think, the first prototype in the world. Thomas Edison. And that's no bullshit. Thomas Edison. That is no bullshit. Nikola I'm Tesla, you. Benjamin Franklin, Brian Taylor. Listen, you can laugh. You are up there with the greatest inventors of all time. Ring my dad and ask him. And it got stolen by some miserly bastard that, you know, really robbed us of our engineering feat. <laughs> we were never able to reproduce it again, but These it's true. Incredible scenes. Yeah. Moving away from. Actually, not you. We're going to go straight into you, but just off football. Brian's Content Corner is back. You've been watching some trash. Fill us in. Yeah, you know how you're always looking for stuff on TV to watch and uh, and people are always telling you about what you should watch. And so I've now fallen into the trap of telling people about what they should watch. Yes. Kin, K-I-N, on SBS On Demand, I think it's on. Um, Irish sort of uh, gangster family. Um, is this like a... Just fantastic. Is this fiction or non-fiction? Is this a, like a... What kind of show is it? This is not a doco. This is this is full on fantasy. Yeah. Um, fantasy. Yeah, and so uh, you're into Irish fantasy. I, I didn't think I'd ever be. It's the last type of thing I would watch. The first two eps, I thought this is going nowhere, and then it started to hot up. I love the lady. I don't even know who the actor was. She was very, very sexy in the whole thing, and 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 and, and the head of the criminal organisation as well. So that was one that I like. Kin, you've got to watch. 16 episodes, two series. The other is Griselda. I'm about halfway through Griselda. It's a, it's a, it's about a, um, a, a woman um, from South America that takes over the um, drug uh, trade in Miami. That is it is, a true story? I'm um, not sure that it's true or not. I think it is. I think it is a true story. Yes, beca- yes, it is because Pablo Escobar, or one of those great um, uh, drug guys, uh, said that she was the most feared woman Griselda in the world. Griselda Blanco? Yes, Griselda Blanco. Yeah, it's a co- real Colombian drug lord. Yeah, there you go. yep. And um, so that is great as well. I've also watched, um, you know how all the sports are doing the docos? You know, um, Drive to Survive and every sport's got their doco. By the way, I don't know which one you think's the best, but I've I stumbled across the um, Netflix um, version of the um, NASCARs. And I, did, I was unaware that Michael Jordan owned a team called 2311, had Bubba Wallace and I did not know that a couple of other drivers and even um, the head driver, uh, Denny, um, oh, I forget his name now, uh, a really good driver, one of the top enders. Um, 
really strange thing. He owns the team with Michael Jordan, but guess what? He doesn't drive for the team. He drives for one of the other teams, which is just as good as well. So uh, that was really good, the NASCAR series on uh, on Netflix. Have a look at that if you like motor racing. Yep. Any others? Um, what about you said there's um, a new season of one of your crap shows coming out? Oh, yeah. Um, Aussie Gold Diggers, um, 22nd of Feb. Uh, I know the date and the time and everything. I've, I've already got it on record. Uh, that's Aussie, Aussie Gold Diggers, I think it's called, or Aussie Gold, whatever it's called. Um, so there, that's a new series coming out. I don't necessarily like new people appearing in it. I like to see how the old people are going. So, yeah, that's uh, that's going. So that's all I've been watching. But anyway. Yeah. And the Super Bowl last week. Super Bowl, great. Um, where did we want to go on the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I, thought- I, I, I tell you what, NBA basketball is global. And I think it became global around the time Michael Jordan played. Yeah. Kids started to get onto Michael Jordan. And so I think Michael Jordan helped it, definitely helped it become global. And I think it's been global ever since, right? I think there's a, an element of the hip hop culture and fashion from the 90s and yeah. 2000s that have helped with that as well. So sure. I, I see NBA basketball as being glo- the only American global sport. But I tell you what, the NFL, on the back of Taylor Swift, Kelsey, Kansas City, Mahomes, um, and then the rest of the uh, the rest of the teams in a, in a wider spectrum. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, all of that. I actually think this year. I don't know whether I'm right, but I actually think the NFL has finally become global. I think it's mainly because of the Taylor Swift thing, which is not necessarily great for the NFL that it's become global because of that but if that's what it needs to kickstart it remember Michael Jordan who was different because he was a player I know but I wonder whether people agree with me whether they whether they mm. agree that it's a shame it's, it's so become hard global. to watch like I was watching what do you mean it's hard to watch the stopping and starting like it's impossible yeah. to actually get a comfortable frequent product for I tell TV you, can I say I'm, I've given a lot of positives today I haven't given any negatives I have got some negatives on the NFL coverage. By the way, the Super Bowl on Channel 7 was the highest Super Bowl that they've ever had. This in one, Australian ratings. In, in Australian ratings. So that, that was magnificent. But you know what struck me? And it, it taught me a lesson. And I now see why our boss, Gary O'Keefe and Lewis Martin at 7 are always reminding us of, and they actually give us a piece of paper to say, what happens if the grand finals are draw? They'd actually, they actually give us a piece of paper of, of what you know what the rules are. For, for The 49ers have since come out and said they didn't know what the rules were. They thought it was the first to score. and that, that's what, That used to be the rule. They changed it. Yeah, and year, if you listen to the umpire explain to the two captains before time extra time started, he said both teams will have an opportunity to score. In other yep. words, both teams will be given the ball. Changed that like two years right? ago. So I, I, I just could not believe that they got that wrong. The mm. other thing I wanted to say was, I watched this whole game. I was blown away at how, <laughs> look, the commentators call it for the American audience and they sh- they assume the American audience know all about it and they do. But I think what they've underestimated is the global audience who don't necessarily know a lot about the game and need to be educated. They didn't ed- They didn't do any educating None whatsoever, and I know that's tough in a big game to do. And at the end of the game, when the time on, they didn't appear to know what was going on either, and they weren't setting it up as mm. to say, "Well, look, if um, if if this is a draw, we're going to have this this." Until the until the referee told us, we didn't know. Mm. So I didn't think they did a great job at explaining 
the possibilities deep into the last quarter. I don't disagree with you, but consider it from their perspective, and you know what this is like. Those commentators go for the dumb route, and then they get slammed on social media and yeah. people saying, why, why are you talking to us like idiots? And I'm an American speaking when I, I say know, that. But like, tell me whether you think this is idiotic. Okay, um, you know, the game's uh, it's a draw. We're going to have extra time. By the way, for those out there that don't know, each team gets an opportunity to possess the ball. I think in the Super Bowl that that's absolutely critical because you've probably got, I don't know, 30% of your audience that haven't watched a game all year. From my memory, that didn't come from the commentators. Yeah. That came from the referee. Point made. Um, I've been I've been overseas recently. Yes, you went to America. Now, I wanted to ask you about this because you went to Aspen, which is somewhere I want to go, but you went particularly for the X Games as part of work because you manage a, a, um, a, a snowboarder over there, uh, Valentino Gasselli. Um, and so you went to Aspen to watch him compete in the X Games. Tell me about your view of the X Games up close and personal. Yes, a little place called Aspen. Yep. <laughs> Aspen, that's what I said. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. just quoting a movie, Dumb and Dumb. Oh, right. Yeah, you didn't get it. Well, get on with it. So X Games, Aspen. So we're there with Valentina Gasselli, who's a who's a professional snowboarder. He competes in multiple disciplines in, in the half pipe, big air and slope style. So not just the half pipe. You would know that from- No Australian athlete has ever competed in three at Olympics. He's going to, is he? Well, there's been winter athletes that have competed in three separate disciplines, but right. not in not in snowboarding in yep. this fashion. You might know it from Scotty James. That's the one he does is yep. half pipe. So, so this guy's as good as Scotty at the moment, this, isn't he? This guy is um, would be consistently finishing on podiums in in those disciplines if yep. if everything goes right. You right. Get, so these guys have runs that they sort of practice, and if you put down the run, Valentino has the runs in slope style, big air. And half pipe to finish on the podium consistently. In, in fact, in he won last week in an event after he, the he X Games. He won in Canada at Calgary um, yep. in the half pipe, which is his first World Cup event win, which is absolutely incredible for him. But back on Aspen X Games. So X Games um, is probably the biggest yearly event on the snow and ski calendar. So you've got the Olympics biggest, is the pinnacle yep. every four years. World Championships is every two years. Aspen every year. So it's probably the biggest on X that. X Games every year. Yeah. Yep. Correct. So we're there for that. And that's why I'm there. You know, all the big brands are there. All the best athletes are there. Um, so so how many people are like, like, are there literally thousands or just a thousand? Yeah, I'd say it, it depends on what you're watching. But for the half pipe final, you, you've got thousands there. But keep it in mind, it's not an easy. Very um, small viewing area. It's a very small viewing area. It's super cold. Um, yep. You're in a place that's super expensive, it being Aspen and that area. So it's actually hard to get people there, I think. Right. Um, so it's not an easy product to sell but on tv it, it's pretty bloody good i, I do recommend watching it yeah, these it's a great athletes, tv sport these athletes are incredible and what they do is great so yeah it was there with val unfortunately he took a um a hit in practice so they arrive a few days beforehand and they practice for for their events and he hurt his ribs in in slope style practice spent the next two days recovering and got to a point where he was good enough to compete in the half pipe in the warm-ups, he hurt his ribs again. Before oh. that, he was putting down, when I say that run, that run that could have got him first or second. Right. Scotty James ended up winning. So you've got to do a certain trick to be able to get into the yeah. numbers to win. They, they go up the half, up and down the half pipe and you might do five to seven tricks, so yeah. jumps, um, depending on what your style and run is. And he had he had a run to, to win it. To win um, it, yeah. Which was a real shame, but yeah. Which probably only three or four of them did mm. had yeah, that up exactly. their sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was. It's an incredibly interesting sport to go and watch. Um, 
it's like the surfing a little bit and there's quite a lot of camaraderie and community these guys travel around it's an individual sport a few of them you know don't speak english the japanese and south korean riders are really good so it's quite an interesting sport to observe um so you go from aspen then you go to denver so you that's a a week of working and you make great contacts there with with the business and the whole thing so then you go to denver and you jump in a little shitty van um, that you're sleeping in for the next week and you drive from denver to vegas yeah so i hired a van over how many days about a week yeah Yeah. so six nights seven days so i had um a bit of a route um planned a bit of a route planned out like a route the americans might say you thought i was saying something else america is known for their national parks and their sport um I, i went to denver saw bucks um nuggets play at uh ball arena which was incredible so Giannis what sort of seat did you have uh well this is this is and how much did you pay for it i paid about 250 australian dollars for a seat to watch denver and milwaukee for a seat in the bleachers right and i did a dodgy thing which i'd recommend anyone to do if you're on a budget i went in got went into the arena and then looked on ticket tech where there was available seats still available and you go in and you sit in one of those seats and you put it in your cart so you put it in your trolley cart so no one else can buy it. Right. This oh, is highly illegal. And if oh. I was doing this regularly, Ticket Tech would pick Gee. up and really slap you on the wrist. Right. But if you go into a game in America and you're on a budget and it's like... So that you was pretended you were interested in the ticket, but you didn't actually press the button. Well, I just had to sneak past security and yeah. go to that seat that I knew was available. Yeah, right. But anyway, yeah, so I drove from Denver to Vegas over seven days, visited some of the, the most beautiful national parks in the world, went to Archers National Park, Zion National Park and Bryce Canyon. Snowing a lot of these places. Snowing. It's zero most of the time or below zero, especially at night and I'm sleeping in this van and I'm absolutely freezing my ass off. Yep. So it was uncomfortable in that, but the drive-in was in- incredible like the scenes that you think the greatest anyone tried to hijack you or anything i was pretty scared a couple of times when you just because i was so are you camping saying, on the side of the road sometimes are you saying that our great ocean road is no good no i'm saying the great ocean road is great but when you're driving through these parks in america and you've got bison on one side and deer on the other side it, it's oh, a pretty we've got wa- killer whales and killer sharks and kangaroos but yeah. and mass and, and um, koalas yeah but yeah so got got through all that that was beautiful got to vegas and i've got some opinions on vegas i'd been there before with with um with the family i was under 18 so couldn't quite experience it to i think it's overrated um, yeah, it's only a very small area of vegas see i lacked the two most crucial things that you need in las vegas a good hotel room mm, well that's that's fifth on the agenda you're in some shit i old. had no money and yep. no friends yep. so i'm going out hitting the tables and going to a bar drinking by myself it, uh, it sucks it's pretty real, miserable real especially in vegas weird you look. feel even worse like i got to 11 and i you know dropped all my cash on one roulette game and it was gone and yeah i was pretty feeling pretty hopeless by midnight i'm like what am i doing i'm just gonna go home and then i was in bed by midnight oh so you were disappointed always disappointed but if i was to ever go back you know as i, I as told it, you to drive up to the old end of vegas and look for porn stars up there and you could um go and sell let's some just gold. be clear brian means porn stars the show where they sell used yes. goods porn, not they pawn their goods yes exactly yep. um but yeah if i'm ever going to go back to vegas again i'm going to have more money um, need to work on that, and I'm going to have more friends. And and you know, if you're not there at a time when it was busy, because you, you're a week before the um, Super Bowl, but, but you know, you probably go and stay. You can stay in one of those big hotels like yeah, the Bellagio for a really reasonable rate. Yeah, and and the Super Bowl, and this is we're talking about the AFL and production and stuff. 
they were building stuff a week out and the production and the amount of people that were around there was so I was there on on the Sunday before the Super Bowl so a week out there was hundreds of NFL and CBS mm. and representatives from all these networks and and all the governing bodies and stuff they're already doing work yep all right, well, that's your little trip to the States. Are we done? Can we we're, go home? We're not done. We need to look after our sponsors. Yes. Um, we don't have anyone with us, but above and beyond, do you have a candidate for your Grimleys above and beyond this week? No, but <laughs> I think the, the important thing here is that it's Grimleys that go above and beyond, and I, th- I think we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't forget that because it, to them it's all about servicing the client on the day that they place the orders, the big thing. You know, you see that I've been out to their factory and they're, they're coming and going. These vans, these, you know, vans are coming and going all day long to the building sites. You order on a particular day, you'll most likely, if it's in stock, get what you ordered on that particular day. So believe it or not, as to the motto, the Grimleys above and beyond for this week is... The Grimleys. The Grimleys. It's an unusual one, I there know. There you go. Brought to you by Grimleys. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery you can count on. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye.